I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and normally Marek Larwood would be joining me, but Marek is busy um, rehearsing a play of some kind. He's uh, found gainful employment, so we're all very proud. Um, so, to sub in for Marek, who better than original Film Fandango host Danielle Ward? Hello, David! <laughs> it is Daniel I'm Ward. A Marek Larwood impression. Oh, is that your Marek? Is that you? <laughs> for the whole show. Oh, no, this is going to be as intolerable. I hate... I'm not gonna, no, I'm not going to say it. You can fill in the blanks yourself. Yeah, fill in the blanks. What do you think Marek hates? Uh, um, mostly his life. I hate people. Yeah, there we go. Um, how are you doing, Danielle? I'm fine. It's the hottest day of the year. It is the hottest day of the year. Um, so far, I mean, like, it might be even hotter on Friday. Uh, I think weathermen are, are, are confident, aren't they? They're confident they've called it correctly. No, weathermen are <laughs> Don't get me started on weathermen. <laughs> Blimey. Oh. Um, have, you, have you been watching many films since you were last on the show? Oh, I, I've seen at least two films since I was last on the show. Yeah. Um, I watched half a documentary yesterday called Girl Model. What was this it's about? It's about some young Russian girls that are picked up by a model agency and sent to Japan. Now, I stopped halfway through because I was a bit tired and I thought, I'm going to fall asleep and it had subtitles. So you can't have a nap during a film with Very subtitles. Very difficult. Um, and there was a lady on the trans... I assume she was on the Trans Manchurian. <laughs> but who knows? Express. The Express. train. The train, yeah. Rather than, I thought you were going to say on the trans spectrum. <laughs> no. What? She was on the train. Right. Uh, but uh, as we all know, the Trans-Siberian Express yes. goes to Vladivostok. Uh, yeah, we do know the that. The Trans-Manchurian Express goes to... Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, um, so uh, and as we all know, China is in, <laughs> China's in Japan. That's right, yeah. Which is where she was going. Sure. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, I watched half of it and I turned it off. And also I started... But it recommended it to me because I watched half of the documentary Hot Girls Wanted. <laughs> oh, no, that's not a documentary. I think that's that's some niche pornography. I keep isn't? watching. No, it's, it's not even niche. I that's keep, some popular pornography. I keep watching half a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> just before the turn, just before things suddenly get interesting. I'm watching half a documentary about young girls being exploited. Oh, is it that wasn't about exploitation as well? Yeah, that was about the porn industry. That uh, Rashida oh, Jones was. is the um. What? 
<laughs> oh, the narrator. Okay. No, she's the not, producer. Not the subject. They don't have narrators anymore in documentaries, Dave. What Some do of you them think don't. it is? 1997. Well, we are living in a post Senna world, aren't yeah. we? I mean, that Senna managed to do it purely with archive footage, and, it, and everyone's going, oh, that is clever. And that's what he's done with the Amy Winehouse thing as well. I cannot wait to see that, to be honest. I mean, normally I'd be like, uh, yeah, sort of interested. I mean, she, she literally, I, I was sat here. Uh, when I heard the news she had died just up the road which yeah. is a bit of a weird too, feeling because I live here as well <laughs> absolutely but um, you weren't here though I don't I think I was here it was me I told I you that she you died were, I forget when you're here yeah um, yeah so no I'm looking forward to that because he does a very good documentary that yeah. fella um, I'll watch all of it I have... imagine wow I mean what a... <laughs> you should tell him he'd be thrilled so they're the films that I've watched Two half a film, two half a documentaries about young girls. Okay, okay. And can you recommend either of those tards? Well, I've only watched half of them, so they can't have been that good. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I felt exactly the same way about Terry Gilliam's Zero Theorem. Um, But I was so tired watching it. I, I... I'm totally willing to give it another shot because I just think I, it wasn't going in, you know. It was just sort of colours and noise. I'll probably revisit them. I mean, I've seen some other films as well. I know Marek hated it. I loved Whiplash. I know, like, and the reason, anybody who hates Whiplash, the reason that you hate Whiplash is exactly the reason I love it. Why is that? And that's how I feel about Kanye West as well. <laughs> Why is that? Because uh, you love dicks. Yeah, yeah, I love dicks. <laughs> I like my dicks how I like my dick. <laughs> dicks. dicks. A good slogan to live by. Well, on that, we have uh, speaking of loving dicks, um, we've uh, seen a film this oh, week. Oh, that's a I, I leapt segue. upon a segue, I leapt upon a segue, it was ill advised. Uh, no, I mean, in, in honor, <laughs> I, may have under, I may have slightly underdone the honor part of this now, but uh, in honor of the uh, the victory for the lesbian, gay, and bisexual community in America that it is now legal to marry in all 50 states, we have watched a film that. Uh, we wanted to watch for a while, but it's called Love is Strange. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Sylvia, yes, Nikki. Somebody, if you're a girl, you'll get that. I imagine none of you listen. I, I didn't get it. Do you it. get many female listeners? Um, the stats don't tell us. Uh, what? No, they only tell us this country of origin. Mm. I know, terrible, isn't it? We've no idea who's listening, uh, other than the people who email in. Okay. Uh, which, uh, which. Through those statistics, we can tell that the people listening are called Chris Webb. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yes, this is a film from 2014, um, and it stars John Lithgow and Alfred Molina, and uh, Marissa Tomei as well. Um, Danielle, do you want to tell them a brief sort of synopsis without spoilers, so people know what we're talking about? The brief synopsis is, and it's a very clean setup. two lovely gay guys get married they've been together 39 years they finally get married um and everybody's very excited and then one of them loses their job and so they have to move out of their new york apartment and the film is them starting their married life together living in two different places yeah and sort of couch surfing one with yeah one one with fat sort of not close family just sort of uncles sort of uh... one one is with their their friends who are a pair of high living gay cops high living who play D&D I noticed they as well they play D&D but, and yeah they're high living and uh, they're very nice yeah um, and the others with they don't seem to shoot any black guys in it so um, <laughs> and not saying that all American cops do that just some of them um, and then uh, so that's uh, Alfred Molina yeah 
and John Lithgow moves in with his family, which is his nephew and his nephew's wife and their son. So it's these two men having to live apart, but also having to live with people that are sort of putting up with them. Yeah, and it, it's it's just that played out, really. We don't want to spoil it, but I I found it quite painfully true to watch the way that there's so much goodwill and that sort of slowly erodes once you actually have to live with something you know yeah um i mean i i said to you because yeah. we're having a conversation aren't we yeah we are i said to you to the people listening i said to david i yeah. said to you last night watching it yeah after about half an hour i said oh it's like bad santa i can't cope it's got too many emotions in it yeah because the two films that are emotionally true that you've seen are love is strange and bad santa i can't can't, bad santa i can't bear it it makes me cry so much it's It's the it's the whittling a pickle isn't it it's the the stoicism (laughs) of the little boy yeah yeah yeah. i I mean i've said it before on this podcast but the thing that uh, brings a tear to my eye is always people being kind even though the world is shitting on them and that it's nothing is sadder but I mean this it's not quite like that it's not quite like that but this but it's just very what, it's too it's too real to be like that it's not melodrama yeah, really no. um, it's it's very very good I mean I've always I've I, as long as I can remember, I've loved John Lithgow as an actor. Mm-hmm. I, I, Harry and the Hendersons. It, it wasn't actually Harry and the Hendersons that did it for me. That's why he's in a lot of people's hearts, of course, as the dad in the, that Bigfoot movie. Uh, it was as BZ, the villain in the uh, Santa Claus the movie with Dudley Moore. Oh, he's a really he good evil villain. I, lo- I think that's one of my favourite Santa films. What are the others? Not Bad Santa. Not, that's not you... That's not your, one of your favourites. Bad Santa. Yeah, yeah. I can't watch it. No, but that, that's good. It's I mean, crippling. Films are supposed to make you feel things, oh. even if it's just like, yeah, awesome. You know, my favourite Santa film. Yeah. My mum's is Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Oh right, yes, because uh, yes, because she watches ITV, and I imagine it's on there. Anyway, we're getting on things. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Love uh, is strange. Yes, and uh, you hadn't seen. Have you? Have you seen Alfred Molina before in something? You you hadn't realised he was in Raiders. No, that was it. I haven't seen him. I've seen him in that um, that short with uh, Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan, Coffee yeah. and cigarettes. Yeah, that's that's a Jim Jarmusch. It's that's a a wonderful piece. Black and white people meeting over coffee and cigarettes. Lots of little short stories. Some better than others. But the, that's the only one I've seen. The St- yeah, the Steve Coogan Alfred Molina one's excellent. Um, they're very good together, aren't they? They are very good together. Totally believable. It's like yeah. it's like the real life version of uh, uh, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams in the Birdcage, which is sort of a, a heightened yeah. version of a gay couple. Yeah. Um, so look, we can't tell you too much about Love is Strange because it just it just plays out this lovely, sad, sweet, but incredibly stoic situation where these two very lovely men are staying with their very lovely families slash friends. But it's all just grating on everybody a little bit. And then, yeah, it's just actually seeing experienced older people, compassionate, kind, worldly people dealing with tragedy as well is, is... is almost more heartbreaking because they're, they're not melodramatic about it. Yeah. You know, in so often it's just like, well, if you could weep uncontrollably at this moment so the audience know what's happening. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, there's a bit where um, Marissa Tomei gets a bit cross. <laughs> Make it sound really exciting. It's a great car chase. There's a bit where she gets a bit cross with John Lithgow, yeah. who is an old man. Um, 
and you sort of think well if do you know what if you had John Lithgow around your house you'd be really excited to talk to him but it does like, I think it does make you realise that sometimes the way you talk to older people is either patronising or short tempered or and it just made me feel a bit sad I once went to a combat class which is um, a mixed martial arts aerobics class sure and the man next is old man there, and he like <laughs> like really old, right? It's a really one of those UFC old men. One of the UFC old men. Yeah. It's a really high intensity class, but he's a very old man. He must be like in his seventies. Was it sliced alone? No, no, and like he is quite frail. But obviously, he's trying to keep fit. He's trying to keep his heart in a good place. Um, and at the end of the class, you do kind of um, press ups and stuff on the mat. And he he threw his mat down and it hit me in the face. <laughs> I got really annoyed and he went oh I'm so sorry and I was like oh, I'm annoyed now and at the end he came up to me and went I'm really sorry and I thought I know you are and so I, like, I, I said oh I know like, don't worry about it. it's fine it just shocked me it just surprised me but obviously it's no problem at all I'm really sorry if I snapped and then I nearly cried because I thought he's being so sweet <laughs> he didn't drop a mat in my face but it's that that's it made me rem- it's remember that, that it's that over and over again it made me remember that over and over again oh, it's no, it's, it's a very tempered. gentle sweet film like it's it's beautifully done it's a director called Ira Sachs who I've not seen his stuff before he's written mm-hmm. it as well um, and it's a it's one of the few genuine like it's a genuine adapt not adaptation it's it genuinely shows you what New York is like which isn't this sort of Woody Allen sex in the city it's another character it's just like oh it's really hard because it's really expensive living in New York yeah, I mean a lot of the plot is about sort of rent control yeah. and, uh, and how yeah. they're f- like if housing they- I mean that's very contemporary I guess yeah. about housing prices but- and how, how like the co-op have taken 25% of their profit because they flipped the house in under five years and stuff like that which yeah, yeah. you know it's not it's not Carrie Bradshaw going oh I love my amazing apartment and I'm going to go and live in Mr Big's swanky penthouse and I keep my apartment for a place to keep my shoes sure that's what happens in the second film (laughs) she keeps her amazing apartment for her fucking shoes yeah I I didn't Russell Brand where were you when that was happening (laughs) what have a go at Sex (laughs) in the City (laughs) 2 yeah Um, I, I think I think everyone had a go at Sex in the City oh, too. We probably couldn't hear Russell Brand over yeah. the clamour of people going Sex in the City too is terrible. Well, you know, the racism was quite bad, but also yeah. the thing about her keeping her flat just for her shoes. I mean, it's gotten a bit, um, it's gotten a bit cliche of itself, hasn't it? A bit self-parody by that point. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The second film was awful. It's yeah, awful, yeah. awful, awful. Yeah. Can't wait for the third one, girls. Is it happening? I think so. They're think... not doing much else, are they? Well, not really. Not really. I like it. If you follow Kim Cattrall on um, Twitter, yeah. A, she sometimes talks to Sarah Millican, which is fun. Oh, that's nice. But also... She well, she's talk... British, isn't she? She's from Liverpool. She tweets about Liverpool FC. She's the only person <laughs> on my timeline who tweets about Liverpool who's actually from fucking Liverpool. <laughs> Wow. It's ridiculous. She doesn't live there, though, like all the best people from Liverpool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, Love is Strange. Um, How many Danielles would you give it? I'd give it five. I thought it was. Five? No, out of ten. Out of ten. (laughs) Oh, God. I'd give it nine Danielles. Nine Danielles. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Because five felt a bit much out of five, but I was going to go there. But yeah, nine Danielles. Nine. Okay, I think I'd give it eight Davids. I thought it was very good. I thought it was really lovely. Really, really good. Love is Strange. You can catch it on streaming services now and uh, presumably on telly at some point as well. Um, Right. Uh, Letters. 
We, let uh, us you, do something. Oh, no, you didn't mean that. Let, let us continue yeah. into the letters section. Um, thank you for everyone who's emailed in. Um, if you would like to do so for, and have your email read out for future episodes, then please email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Now, firstly, we have rather a long one, so we're going to split it up. Um, so how is your Newcastle accent? <laughs> it's not very good. It's not very good. Well, you can do this one then. Um, <laughs> this is in a Newcastle accent. No. So this is from this is from Simon Bonner. Is this the missed films bit? Yes. Um, how we all do it like uh, Cheryl Cole. I was also tripped up by 12 angry men on the IMDb top 250, leaving me with not too respect or leaving me with a not too respectable number of six. Ah, um, we we should explain what he's talking about please here. Please do. Um, basically, we played a game where counting down from number one, you go to the IMDb top 250 movies of all time, and the first film you haven't seen is your score. Okay. So the higher the the higher the number you can get, the better you can do. Mm. We, we'll do it with you at the end okay. of the letter. I thought I might fare better on the sights and sound cryptic list, but no. Both of you said you haven't seen M or Paths of Glory, so I am going to make the case for giving them a try. I saw M for the first time last year when it was re-released in UK cinemas. It's about the hunt for a child killer and the hysteria that develop that envelops our German city where everybody is a suspect. <laughs> Often the acting in films from this era, 1931, is a little bit stagey, but Peter Lorre's performance as the killer is, oh, spoilers, <laughs> is possibly the best I have ever seen. You soon realise this is a film that could never... You soon realise this is a film that could never be made now. The audience is asked to sympathise with the killer in a way that would be unacceptable today. It is a great, unpredictable thriller. Paths of Glory is Kubrick's first really amazing film a group of French soldiers you still want me to keep doing yeah this? I do yeah a group of French soldiers is sentenced to death for abandoning their posts <laughs> in a World War One <laughs> battle the brilliantly weird Tim Carey's emotional collapse as the execution approaches is heartbreaking and I challenge you not to blub when Christian Kubrick makes the final real cameo as a captured German singer. It could well be the best final scene in cinema history. Don't watch it out of context. That sounds really good. Paths of Glory and M. Have you seen either of those? No, then? Paths of Glory sounds good. Um, I'll be honest, I was concentrating so hard on the accent during M, I wasn't listening. <laughs> well, I was concentrating so hard on, on trying to understand what you were saying that I was I was phasing in and out. But I'm, I'm going to go to the IMDb Top 250 and see what Danielle's score is. I think yours is going to be higher than ours. I don't think it is. Um, There'll be like some obvious Mel Gibson film at number three that I've never seen. <laughs> okay, so from number one, uh, we go from the Shawshank Redemption going, all the way going, through going, The Dark Knight, Pulp Fiction, 12 Angry Men. Oh, eight. 
Eight, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Eight. Though I've also not seen Lord of the Rings. Well, my score was seven because I've not seen Twelve Angry Men. Oh, I've so, seen Twelve Angry Men. So you've beaten me. You've beaten me, but you'll have to see Lord of the Rings to carry on up that list. Okay. Um, what did? Oh, and another Lord of the fucking Rings. No thanks. <laughs> they're very me. highly placed, uh, which is a shame, isn't it? I haven't seen them because they sound really, 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 <laughs> really boring. Well, I might put um, our scores on Facebook, and then uh, people can add theirs uh, underneath. Um, we've got another letter. Uh, we'll read the rest of Simon Bonner's letter out a bit later because it, it was rather long, and uh, and that accent is intolerable. So um, it is also. I read that people don't like ladies with high voices. Where did you read that? I don't know. There's some sort of... There's a shrill thing, apparently. Because my own voice is quite high. No, your own voice is quite... It's quite high. Is it? Yeah. And when I do... um, When I do my character up at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, I try and drop it. I do a Nottingham accent because it naturally makes my, my voice lower. Do your accent now? Uh, no. Oh, go on. No, I have Give to... Us a bit. You've promised us some Nottingham I now. I have to run it in, no. You have to run it in? No. Do I'm... some warm-ups? Yeah, I have to do some vocal warm-ups okay, to get it enough. there. Uh, like... What's your show? Tell, tell our listeners about your show. Oh, hi, listener. Um, my show... <laughs> His name's Chris. <laughs> hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Um, my show is called Danny Frankenstein, uh, and, well, it's called Danielle Ward, <laughs> colon, Danny Frankenstein, um, and it is on at the Voodoo Rooms for free at 12.30 every day apart from on Tuesdays because I get a bit tired and sad doing the same thing every day. Uh, come and see it during the Edinburgh Fringe. It's on every day of the whole Fringe apart from those days those and days. not at and the end or the beginning either because I haven't done that. <laughs> sure, that sounds good. It's really good. Um, if you like song, if you if you hate musical comedy... Still come because I hate musical comedy. It's really good. Um, there's no. You, it's all done on Garage Band. If you hated Kanye West at Glastonbury because he was a person alone on stage with just a backing track for company and uh, and um, a live uh, vocoder, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. hard, um, heavy. What's it called? Auto tune. Auto tune. If you don't like someone by themselves with a backing track and heavy auto tune, don't come and see my show. I haven't even got a cherry picker. Oh no, you're not going to go out over the audience at any point. I know. Well, they do break. That happened to David Bowie famously, didn't it? He went out over his audience in a cherry picker and it broke down. And he had to do three songs in the same place. Plus, yeah. I know. He doesn't like flying. You think he, he must like, have been terrified. You think he wouldn't like cherry pickers? Maybe that's why he doesn't like Maybe flying. Maybe it is. Well, this this next email is from Matt Ray and he's asked for it to be read out in the style of Tom Hardy's Ivan Locke I from the film Locke. Well, well, I thought it'd be funny to your Geordie, but okay. Ivan Locke, dear David Marrick and Buddy. Buddy's asleep, it's really hot. And Marrick's not here. I'm really enjoying your recommendations on documentary documentary recently and suggest the film Atari Game Over. Ugh, sounds great. The story of the rise and fall of the Atari Games Company with the culmination in their most unpopular game in history, E.T., worth a watch and gets eight mats. It has recently struck me that a lot a lot of films starring Tom Hanks could be replaced by Bill Murray and vice versa. Do you think there are any other actors that could be interchanged in in, in every individual uh, oh oh, oh I, I was trying to understand what on earth it was saying. Do you think there are any other actors that could be interchanged in either individual films or full careers? Love the podcast and keep watching the films. Matt Ray. So, um, 
Tom, ha- Bill Murray and Tom Hanks are interchangeable. Interesting. I'm a, I suppose they're both sort of cuddly leading men of yeah. sorts. Uh, I, Tom Hanks is one who I always go, eh, Tom Hanks, and then I watch him in something and he's brilliant. Whereas Bill Murray go, yeah, Bill Murray, and he's still brilliant. Yeah. Um, but how many Bill Murray films have you seen? Obviously, everyone's seen all of Tom Hanks's films. I haven't seen Forrest Gump. Have you not? No. Well, that would have that would have tripped you up for very soon on the would top two fifty. Yeah. It just strikes me as. Oh, it's good. It's it's dated a bit because it's CGI so rubbish. But, Is it? Um, well, by today's standards, you know, uh, putting fake lips on John Lennon so he says different things. Sounds a bit Derek to me. I'm afraid. <laughs> It's got some very good scenes in it, actually. Mm. Sort of iconic ones. Yeah, but people who like stuff are idiots. But so. um, I think Tom Hanks probably um, commits to a role a bit more than uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray playing a mentally handicapped man would be, I think, a bit different. Well, that's pretty much what he does in Caddyshack. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been way more of a slapstick comedy. Um, Tom Hanks would have been fun in... Uh, not in Ghostbusters, because that would that. Would, it wouldn't have been. That wouldn't, wouldn't have worked. Have I'm not sure about this theory, Matt Ray. I'm uh, not sure about it at all. Could Bill you... Murray in Philadelphia? I don't think I'm, so. I'm not sure about that. I don't think that. so. Bill Murray in Castaway, maybe. Uh, that would have been interesting. Would have been funnier. Would have been... Yeah, but you would have felt sort of sadder when he was going sort of a bit out of his mind. Bill Murray in Captain Phillips, not as good. Not as good. Not, that, not as good. He couldn't have done that's that bit the That's the Life end. Aquatic with Steve Zizow, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> pretty that's much. exactly what that is, though I've not seen that because I cannot stand with Anderson films. Okay, okay. I quite like that. Oh. I've heard... Uh, that's why I like Whiplash! Okay. I've heard The Grand Budapest Hotel's good and... Um, Marek Marek watched it, so I I haven't seen it. But did Marek like? He did, yeah, yeah. Did I tell you um, what Dan Tetzel referred to uh, when me and Martin used to do a show on Absolute Radio? We'd ask people. Oh no, it was, I think it was when we did it on Feedbar. We asked people for film reviews, reviews of films that they've not seen. Okay. And uh, Dan Tetzel tweeted the Grand Budapest Hotel, Forty Towers for Cunts. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it's shot remarkably similar to The Shining as well. Yeah. Similarly, rather to The Shining. Uh, yeah, well, I haven't seen it. I couldn't possibly say Dan Tetzel, of course, um, comedian, star uh, star of Hollyoaks, and uh, he brought in um, Baron Munchausen when One he was of on the, the best show. Choices, I've one of the most interesting, certainly, really, really good. good, really good. Um, anyway. Uh, we've got a little surprise for you now. Um, Marek Larwood, though not here, um, has recorded for oh, David, us... I am. I've just been hiding round the corner. Oh, it's Marek. <laughs> He's just come from round the corner. Uh, no, Marek's uh, recorded... Uh, He's seen a film this week and he's recorded his own review uh, himself. Uh, we've not heard it, but here it is now. Hello, David. Hello, Danielle. And hello, buddy. And also, hello, listeners. It's Marek here from a very hot and humid North London flat. It's something like 35 degrees still, and it's late in the evening. I'm massively dehydrated. Apologies for not being able to be there, but I have been to cinema. I went to see Mr. Holmes. What's that about? Sherlock Holmes? Yes, you'd be right. Is it a traditional Sherlock Holmes film? No. It's um, Sherlock Holmes, who's got pretty much Alzheimer's. So from the off, you know, this is going to be a thoroughly depressing film. Um, 
Sherlock Holmes is played by Ian McKellen, who is brilliant. I mean, it, this is a case of one of those films where it's solely reliant on Ian McKellen being so good. Without him, it would be... Well, it is moderately turgid, but without him, it would be awful. And for some odd reason, they've got Laura Linney playing this... I don't even know where she's supposed to be from. It's set near Eastbourne, so on the south coast, but she's got some weird sort of Cornwall accent. And you know when someone's not native of the area, an American trying to do the nuances of a Cornwall accent are probably just... It's just slightly better than when I do my... If you can impression of people... Um, so I don't know why he's chosen Norlin. He probably gets directed by a bloke called Bill Condon. Uh, Bill Con. Don, who has previously directed films like Twilight, uh, Breaking Dawn, Part 1 and 2, but he's probably more, but he's better known for uh, Kinsey, Gods and Monsters, uh, The Fifth Estate, slightly boring films. And this is pretty much what this is, a too slow, slightly boring film. Ian McKellen is magnetic to watch. He... he just goes through about 15 different million emotions just looking out of a window. But at the end of the day, I want to see more than Ian McKellen look out of a window. And the amazing saving grace for this film is that when Mr. Holmes goes to the cinema to see a film which is made about Sherlock Holmes and he complains that they're all over uh, dramatised. Is that right? Dramatised? Over. You know what I mean. The overdramatised films, and the actor who's playing him in the black and white Sherlock Holmes films is none other than Nicholas Rowe. Who is he? Yes, well I'll tell you. He is the actor who brilliantly portrayed young Sherlock Holmes, which is a much better film. The very first film I brought on as a guest on Film Fandango years and years ago. He plays Sherlock Holmes. As the actor, as an older Sherlock Holmes in these black and white films, uh, Mr. Holmes is set uh, just nineteen uh, thirties. It no, no, after the war, nineteen fifties. I think something like that. Um, I can't remember. Maybe it's nineteen thirties. Anyway, the point is, it's a really nice um, uh, nod to young Sherlock Holmes. I'm really glad that Nicholas Rowe is getting work still from the Sherlock Holmes scene because he is born to play Sherlock Holmes and he should be doing more of it alright so the story is basically Mr. Sherlock Holmes he's not the same as in the books he he, he, he portrays if he was a real life figure and Watson has exaggerated his story so he's added the deerstalker hat and the pipe he's sort of made over you know used poetic license when in reality the, the, the stories were a lot more human and less uh it's far-fetched, you know, as you do when you retelling the story in a pub, I suppose. Um, and he's got a case he wants to solve, and he's just gradually losing his memory as well. And it's, uh, the story's not amazing. I thought it would be an amazing story. If anything, this is a film about getting old. So if you want to watch uh, another depressing film about getting old, this is for you. I think this is almost like the... This is that the grey pound, or is it called? The got what's it called? The old. This is a film for old people, 
and the problem is all these films for old people are just all about dying and getting Alzheimer's so if you're going to cinema as an old person thinking you know what I've got a few years left I'll spend these days going to cinema all the blooming films you get to watch are about people with um, chronic memory loss um uh, so yeah and then I started getting paranoid that I had Alzheimer's afterwards which always happens after every one of these films I've watched and the problem is I can't even remember the film was happened before so that probably says I have got it um, what else have I got to say about it there's a boy in it called called Roger played by Milo Parker uh, punchability child actor punchability I give him a 6 which means I would punch him in the face if I saw him in real life what was strange was I went to see some of the Muswell Hill Odeon and the other news is that finally the Muswell Hill Odeon has been bought by the Everyman and is no longer the Muswell Hill Odeon and good because that's an amazing cinema and they've shut on it continuously for a period of about 70 years um, in that cinema there were five people me one woman who was tutting uh, a strange man with a lot of rustling things and I don't know what they were and a couple who were so old they must have been about 80 but they were completely oblivious to the fact they were in the cinema but the, the old lady was talking out loud all the way through it saying things like well, I don't understand what's going on do you do you, do you Peter at that sort of level at every five minute intervals and it's a problem where they're almost too old that you can't say to me because they, I mean, they're going to die shortly anyway. They don't give a shit. Anyway, so that is my review of Mr. Holmes. I give it five Marricks purely because Ian McKellen gets all five. He adds plus five to a film, and there wasn't. This is not a film without him. So there we go. That is probably pretty tedious. Listen to that five and a half minutes, but I wait till it comes out on television. I'll be back very soon. Keep watching the films and all that business. Bye. Okay, thank you for that, Marek. Now, for the second half of Simon Bonner's email, his epic email, back to Geordie Danielle. I'm surprised nobody has mentioned Miami Connection. The IMDb summary says it is all... Says it, oh, says it all. The IMDb summary says it all. Got you. A martial arts rock band goes up against a band of motorcycle ninjas who have tightened their grip on Florida's narcotics trade. Like Troll 2 and The Room, it's an American film directed by someone who has no insight into American culture. The film climaxes with an extremely bloody machete fight in a ditch and then, in the greatest have-your-cake-and-eat-it moment, flashes up the title... And this is what it says in the title. Only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> oh, a fun fact. A chum of mine was the DP and co-editor of Best Worst Movie. She got the gig after the director saw a fan trailer she posted on YouTube. We should all be so lucky and talented. Cheers, Simon. Oh, thank you, Simon. Thanks, Simon. That film sounds amazing. And not enough uh, finales of movies happen in a ditch, I don't think. I think that's a, that's a very uh, ambitious place to set your final fight um i want to see more of it yeah if you know any ditch films uh, then why not uh, email us dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or you can go to our facebook wall facebook.com forward slash filmfandango and talk to one another or if uh, if you've spotted anything then uh, do tweet us at filmfandango or at mr david reed at Marit larwood and 
at Captain Ward. At Captain Ward. Are we going to talk about good bad films that we like? Yeah. What? Go on then. Well. That film, the Ninja Motorcycle. Yeah, have you seen it? No, I haven't. But it sounds like I I love bad films. Yes. But I don't love bad films that try to be bad. No, I'm so not the a big fan of these. Nado films. Well, get those to those fuck. those are incredibly cynical because I've we've rubbish. seen um, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Yeah, boring. And every single actually entertaining bit as in oh that's funny Mm -hmm. is in the trailer and there's three shots and the rest of it is doing the cheapest production they possibly can uh, so they can claim it's a film it's a totally cynical business model of they've just thought of a title and done some shots for a trailer and filled in the rest and it it is a business model that I think needs to die because just just piss off Sharknado and all of these people like them but they're they're the film equivalent of spam like they're just appalling Um, I I can't be doing with it I can't be doing with it you're right I mean when people have genuinely tried and they thought this was going to be brilliant and they failed there's something sort of joyous about that but that that is a noble failure whereas the Sharknado is just an attempt to grab our money whereas see that film sounds like it um, it it sounds a bit bit nerd bait doesn't it yeah um, and I've heard Troll Two is great, but I st- like those sort of like troll and demons and leprechaun and all those sorts of oh terrible horror films. I actually find a bit boring. Mm. I'll be honest. Um, I think it's quite hard to make an entertaining bad horror film. Yes, really. Whereas obviously the best bad film ever is Showgirls. Which <laughs> have you seen recently? Um, Elizabeth Berkeley actually went to a screening of it really? and said she's uh, she's come full circle and she is now accepting of it because it does still have a loyal fan base. I think um, it's an and she's she's film. started to embrace it for the Aww. first time. It's taken long enough. Well, it did ruin her career. It ruined her entire career and it is appalling but she she's come to uh, she's come to accept it which is good on her I love it I can't think of any other good I mean I, like I say I don't I don't try to enjoy but it's like people who go to the fringe to see bad shows on purpose I just I feel awkward doing that I don't I don't think that's in the spirit of things no I mean I'm all like if something's rubbish fair enough so I get off but don't seek it out yeah so um, that said the room is I think the room's a real exception because he he did try and make a proper film. Oh, and yeah, but the, his failing is spectacular. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. He, he it's magnificent. He is doing his absolute best, and that's why it's so sort of tragically funny. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's us for this week. Um, we do this podcast for free, so. Um, if you have enjoyed listening to the show and would like to continue listening to it, then please do donate towards our running costs. Go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the links from there. And everyone who has already, thank you very much. Hopefully Marit will be back next week, but thank you, Danielle, for coming on the show. I thought it was something else to plug. What do you want to plug? I've got my own podcast. Yeah? Called Do The Right Thing. Yeah, when's that out? Um, that's probably out in July sure now we don't ask for any money from anybody but we do only put out four episodes a year if that if that (laughs) because it is really quite a ball ache making them for free they are good though it's a good show yeah it is a really good show so go like find that do the right thing my podcast I am the king of it. I do everything. I play Michael. I play Margaret. I do the production. I'm. Really I mean, you good. can see from you will have heard this episode from Danielle's uh, vocal talents being a Georgie. <laughs> yes, 
I mean, your Michael Legg is... is My, a, Michael Legg's great. an incredible character. Oh, my name is Michael Legg. <laughs> it's uh, a lot like a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so listen to that, and um, and you don't have to give us... Give the money to David, because we split it anyway, so you might as well <laughs> listen to do the right thing and bung David some more money. Thank you. All right, we'll be back next week. Keep watching Keep the watching films. Keep watching the films. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.